and welcome to the Art of Balance podcast brought to you by Balanceology with me, Dylan Cox, and my wife, an author of the best-selling book, Burnout to Brilliance, Jane Morris. Jane is also a regular contributor to Psychology's magazine. Together, we take a light-hearted approach whilst doing deep dives into topics that we believe can help improve your day-to-day lives. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Instagram at balanceology.uk or alternatively visit our website balanceology.uk. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Great Resignation, a term that's been coined to describe an economic trend that's happened for the last year and a half of people en masse resigning from their jobs for a number of reasons, but all centred around the impact of the coronavirus and that giving people an opportunity to take stock as to whether they wanted to continue doing what they were doing or they completely changed career or they needed a break or they weren't happy with the way things were going and the way things were working in their particular workplace. We'll discuss how this relates to burnout and also what you can do as an employer to better understand and service your employees and what you can do as an employee to try and find a better way of working rather than having to just resign from a job that perhaps you enjoy but some things need to change. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Episode number 37, the Art of Balance podcast with Dylan and Jane. And today we're going to be talking about the great resignation. Not me resigning from the podcast, Jane. I'm glad to hear that. But I think a lot of people would call that a great resignation. <laughs> well, I don't know what I would do without you. And, and that's the situation that a lot of organisations are finding themselves in. Suddenly this realisation... That what of, would they do without Dylan? What would they do without Dylan? But um, where there has been a mass exit um, and uh, kind of a big shuffle around, really, um, that the more that the studies are showing what's been going on beneath the surface, um, it seems that uh, there's been a lot of people exiting in the in the earlier months. Um, it was from the healthcare industry and the tech industry, predominantly the, those two industries that were holding everything together while um, well, places shut down, essentially. And are we talking specifically about the US market here at the moment? Well, no, this is globally. The job yeah, the, yeah. Job, the job market at large, um, globally. Um, during the, the pandemic and the early stages of the pandemic, there was more pressure on the healthcare system than perhaps ever in history, perhaps since wartime, you know. And then you've got um, the tech uh, providers who have been scrabbling behind the scenes trying to get everybody able to work remotely where possible and then naturally experiencing burnout as a result because they were having to put in extra hours a lot of pressure to make things happen quickly um, and I think that was where the fallout was seen um, initially um, but then it's been followed by multiple other industries so that's hence the name the great resignation it's not just specific to one or two industries this is across the board um and it's for for lots of reasons so that's what we're going to be talking about today and also giving you sort of hints and and tips if if leaving your job has been on your mind um ways to look at things that maybe aren't so polarized as either being in it or out of it and equipping you with some tools to have maybe some difficult conversations but that might pay off in helping you to renegotiate 
your own role but on different terms or another role but within the same organisation because so many have been finding they've been sort of leaping out of the frying pan and into the fire and believing that the grass would be greener on the other side and then getting there and finding it's just the same grass and the same bad coffee or poor work. Keep going with the metaphors, Jane. (laughs) Um, So obviously there's a lot of different reasons why people were deciding to leave their jobs during and around the time of coronavirus that led to this kind of coining of the phrase, the great resignation. Um, we use this term, this is a term that, that, that I guess was coined throughout this process, and that is quit. Like, um, much as they would say, people would say um, how many hires they'd made, they would say how many quits they had in their, in yeah. their industry. So it's not necessarily, you know, but someone quitting life or quitting um, a job in the sense of, you know, just just couldn't cope with it it's a number of different reasons why they may have left yes so obviously the 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 coronavirus the pandemic has uh made people more reflective perhaps and has perhaps led to some people who for a long time this was a slow build-up over years Mm -hmm. of just not enjoying their job not enjoying the fact they weren't getting enough time to themselves with their partners with their loved ones with their family and it came to a head when everything was shuffled up where people were required to work from home people's hours may have changed their workloads definitely would have changed i'm guessing so there's that in the background as well but jane do you want to just rattle off some of the reasons that people were deciding to quit and no longer be part of this big multinational machine that they may have been employed by (laughs) well it's actually true to both those employed by big organisations and then those in smaller settings too. Um, so I, I don't think anyone has escaped really some shape some shape or form of pressure during the pandemic. Um, it's weighed heavily on everybody's shoulders, whether that was because you were on furlough and then had anxiety about whether your job was still going to be there to go back to. So interestingly, for the, the first year of the pandemic, um, people were trying to hang on to their jobs. So they weren't typically quitting and and looking for something else as you say that word reflection for those who were in a situation where um that they felt that sense of their job being at risk they maybe were um yeah just told you know not to work and um perhaps thanks to sort of different government schemes in whatever country they lived in being kept afloat by that but not knowing what they were you know what was going to be there at the end and i guess it depended on the requirements of the job if you needed to be active in your role say for it for you to still be able to do that role um there was that pressure in your mind like you know you didn't want to step away from something and then you would never have the opportunity to come back I guess. yeah and so for some industries like so as, as as i've mentioned like healthcare or um tech companies that that sort of sense of being furloughed didn't really exist in most regards um Similarly, um, for teaching staff, although children would be homeschooling, there was quite a huge amount of input still and um, workload on the teachers to ensure that there was some sort of support being given to the parents who were then trying to um, oversee the schooling at home. Yeah, big up all the teachers out there because (laughs) it was hard enough being a a parent trying to teach children. I can imagine what it was like being a teacher trying to do it remotely. So yeah, and and trying to keep it all going. So yeah, so so there's lots of um, reasons for people either being full on and working more than they usually would do or working a lot less because they were furloughed, but yet 
some people without children having that space to reflect. But those who did have children, they may have been furloughed, but then they suddenly became, you know, um, school teachers. In, in you know, in my in, case, uh, a very bad one. <laughs> yeah. And and then for many people, where both partners are working, where it's a two-parent household, you might have found that you know that they were trying to juggle childcare, schooling, and hold down their own jobs that they hadn't been furloughed from. So. This All is, in the confines of their own home. Yes, yeah, which was the experience that, that we had. And and then there's, um, it's sort of running then alongside this is any of the families and those who have been negatively impacted because of ill health and needing to care for loved ones or coping with bereavement um, along the way, uh, whether that was a loss of a loved one due to COVID, due to some other reason, or loss of something else in their life. So, for example people whose identity was very much linked for them at that time to their job. And when that role no longer was there for them, they, they struggled to work out who they were, were and what value they but were. Also, bereaving the freedoms that they'd had prior to the pandemic, I guess, where they were able to do things, hobbies or activities that they just weren't able yeah. to do because of social distancing. So a massive melting pot of, of things going on for different people in different ways, but nonetheless the struggle being felt I think by all um, and so what's happened then as a result of that is those who've reflected as you suggested and thought actually why would I want to go back to this role you know I've had more space I've not had to do the commute I've not been involved with um, different things that I wasn't particularly enjoying they've started to reevaluate, and we've worked with a number of people who've been in that category where they've then kind of come to this life junction type point where they've explored who am I what are my values did my organization align with those values did my career align with my sense of purpose of me doing a role that I actually find fulfilling and enjoyable and that I want to give all these hours of my life to and it's almost an enlightenment I guess for them isn't it that finally they've taken stock of it all and They've got a good reason now to think, actually, everything's been turned upside down, right? Yeah. And they're actually trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. And then seeing in front of them, I'm actually doing something I don't really enjoy. I'm doing something where I used to enjoy it, but now it's just getting too much for me. And I've got a family or I've got kids and I just, I don't, I don't want the balance to be so out of whack. Yeah. And to have that realisation is freeing, but it's also very scary at the same time. Yeah. And and that's where I think there's been a kind of a big self-inquiry about what, what are your limits? Um, how comfortable are you to take some risks? Um, and when people have reached out to us, it's a bit, a bit big, get, having the space to explore what options there might be to feel into the space is, that is the unknown and kind of grow confidence to be willing to go there and, and see what might happen if you change course or confront things and challenge them and have conversations to change the shape of what has been. And if you've bought into a kind of traditional linear career path, I guess, where you go to work, you receive a salary and you save and you have a pension and that's your kind of career, it is very challenging then to sort of start thinking about oh I could go freelance or self-employed and 
I'm not going to have the securities that I had before, but maybe I could spread my wings further than I ever did um, previously. So I think it's that kind of um, pull on in two different directions was quite challenging for a lot of people yeah. from what I've received from people telling me. Yeah. And I think this is where that fear and that risk comes into it. And it's whether you're willing to lean into that a little bit or that people were willing to lean into that to just see, okay, I'm going to do something different. And I've got a few friends and, and countless examples of clients who have actually not, not completely shifted their career path, but taken more control of it, I would say, yeah. into their own hands out of a business's or a company's hands. And... And with that is a lot of excitement as well. I think where the the risk, there's the risk, and there's like a, some a sort of a nervous energy often for those uh, that that experience it that way. But at the same time, there's that excitement of the possibility of something different, and breaking that linear, archaic way of thinking, and actually realizing. So for many people, it's about realizing actually it doesn't need to be a either or. It can be something completely different. Yeah. So I've had a lot of conversations with clients around creating portfolio careers where they might have the security of employment part time on one or two days, but then be self-employed for another couple of days doing something that perhaps they pursue that's more of a passion fulfills them and more. fulfills them. And then another day that they, you know, this four day work week's also been coming to, into the fore at the same time alongside the great resignation. A lot of people wanting more time out to do they've maybe discovered they love gardening for example or the benefits of being in nature and they want to have more of that to bring balance in their lives and they and it was a, it's a it was a good time that sort of 2021 uh, period i guess later in the year middle to late of the year where where you could experiment you know there was an opportunity there to think okay i'm, I'm i've never done this before but this is probably in some ways the craziest time to do it but also the safest time to do it because it's understandable in the future I can go back to my when things settle down when the pandemic's um calmed right down I can go back to my normal job but this is the time I can explore if those things are necessary for me I kind of equate it to when I grew my hair long and grew a beard Jade because <laughs> I knew at the end of the day I could always cut it off yeah but it was something I hadn't done and took me into my mid-30s to do it and then when I had it and it um, was, it did coincide with a bit of a gap where you had the excuse, where you didn't need to worry about someone judging yeah, you. Yeah, it was it. kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, and I changed yeah. career a little bit. And, and and now I'm just, you know, totally clean-cut corporate again, you know, <laughs> you know but the, um, company you're, man. You're, you're right, I think that where those that, it, that had a fear around the judgment that might come of chopping and changing their career, that was lifted because it was perfectly understandable that in the circumstances one would explore chopping and changing. I think, I genuinely think because everybody was having some level Mm. of kind of larger feeling about themselves and their life during that period because Mm. the fear, generally the fear of this virus that was going around and not knowing, the the status quo had been completely kind of disrupted, right? So everyone was kind of in a kind of... Um, moment where they were thinking, I don't actually know what's going to happen tomorrow. Is yeah. it going to get, get worse? Or is it going to get better? So then you you are more accepting to change yes. because you're, you're, you're having to be, right? Well, you're forced into You're forced into anyway, yeah. So therefore, like so therefore yeah. if your neighbour says, oh, I'm not going to be a plumber anymore, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start being a painter. Yeah. Like, I mean, like an artist. Yeah. Like, you would probably be like, yeah, fair play, Dave, that's good. <laughs> yeah. 
Stu, so. So, I wanted to ask you, Jane, obviously this great resignation has um, been spread across different ages and different stages of people. How did it, how did it manifest in different age groups, for example? Well, one of the interesting things has been in terms of um, those plus 50, there's been more likelihood that that age group have looked at um, either um, semi-retirement or retirement or moving out of something and changing course completely. Um, not to say that that hasn't happened with younger age groups. Is it because they've, the they, they 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 they've got a bit more security it's maybe the at that baby age boom, or baby yeah. boom section of society more likely to have pensions that are accessible to them more likely to have savings because they've had a long career. Yeah, and, and they've been in the daily grind for longer and got the assets. burnout aspect of things, which um, we haven't sort of gone into yet, but. Um, don't get her started. <laughs> Understandably, that you know the burnout um, for those who were working through the entire pandemic and doing much longer hours, and we've got to cover that. But there's also been this burnout that's happened, that's been there in the background pre-pandemic for many, that's then been brought kind of a more accelerated pace because of the uncertainty, because of the the fears that have been arising, and then perhaps because there have been extra caring um, needs or whatever else has come up in the equation that's that's demanded more from that person um, that's played a part and and that part whether it's affected people um, in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and their 60s that is the piece that has needed a space and um, and a chance for recovery and recuperation. And the over 50s have been more likely to have taken a, a chance to breathe and to regain their strength again and, and take time out and, and reflect and digest without feeling the pressure to jump back into something else in the way that the, the, the people in their 30s and 40s that have been experiencing burnout have felt more the, 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 the sort of false sense and false promise that if they leave the organisation they are in and move jobs and take something in another organisation, that somehow the values of the organisation they go to, behind the scenes they, they've been led to believe that that organisation will be more in integrity and truer to the values that they propose in, say, for example, their mission statements and those sorts of corporate things. But actually when they've got there, they've been largely disappointed and it, that's been named the great regret where people have left and found that what they've gone to has been worse often than what they left behind. So, Is there anything there about this whole feeling of they've worked their whole life and they've pushed themselves to achieve and to be successful in their career and with the great resignation it's almost like this light bulb moment where they're suddenly aware that trying to be the achiever trying to be successful all the time isn't in itself um fulfilling enough for them and that they've not been lied to in the sense that there's no nothing comes with with achievement because obviously a lot of things do but that it in itself isn't enough to satisfy and fulfill an individual and therefore they're then like, well, I'll either go somewhere else and try something 
or I'll, I'll try something completely different. So I think that features when somebody takes that opportunity to slow down and listen to their body and Before restore. Um, well, interestingly, because the people experience burnout in different ways. So for some people, burnout means that they're completely... Um, like the rugs taken from beneath them, they can't physically work. They They won't have the cognitive function and they also physically, body-wise, they might be so fatigued that they can't actually get out of bed or depression overcomes them or something else Mm. literally stops them from working. But for others, they'll just be sort of verging on this, on the brink of burnout. And in that dangerous zone, that's where... um, a resignation might be put in, a new job is found, but they barely have enough of an opportunity to recover from what could have been a catastrophic burnout had they pushed that week longer or two weeks more. But they kind of just pull back a little with the hope of something different on the horizon that keeps them going. And then they go straight into something else and the burnout then can follow shortly after that. Or... They, they, they're just kind of barely maintaining. They're like surviving in their life, like just sort of barely getting by. And that is a very bleak kind of existence. But s- sadly, that's been the reality for, for many people. And that's why some people are calling the great resignation the great reshuffle, because what's happened is actually there was this period of time where there were a number of, a large amount more vacancies than there were people filling those vacancies. So there was people resigning more than there was people taking up the new the, the jobs that, that was being left behind. And with the, the burnout, it's not necessarily been um, the, the people who've left the job because they were feeling burnt out that's experiencing the burnout, but the people left behind. So you imagine in an organisational setting that two people leave a team, or even just the one, leaves a team and leaves a gap then the people behind are trying to cover for that role until somebody else is found. So the burnout is then being experienced by those who haven't actually resigned, but are then really considering it because they just can't keep holding the fort while the new um, team members are found. So what you've got is you've got the great resignation, the great regret, and kind of... And the great burnout. Yeah, the great burnout kind of... Under, <laughs> underneath it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, underpinning it. So that's um, that's very interesting. So in terms of what people can do during this period now, because I guess we're still in the Great Resignation now. People are still shuffling, still quitting, still yeah. thinking. Yeah. What can people do that isn't so um, so polarized? That isn't going to be this kind of. There's not the polarity of I'm either going to. I'm either going to um, completely quit or I'm going to just stay and be miserable. Like, <laughs> what what can they do to bridge those two extremes? Yeah, so I, th- I think there's two things to share. One is for those who are sitting on the side of things as as the employer. Um, yeah. And then the other as Could the... Could you role play? I could the, be the employer, <laughs> you could be the employee. As the employee. So in terms of, for employers, um, it's really a chance to rethink the way that you are communicating and engaging with the people you have in front of you working for you right now and making sure that you create opportunities for two-way dialogues for input from those that are in your teams 
to find out how people are actually doing and what they really want. It's the time to bring in appraisals, but in a with a kind of a coaching approach to really ask where you know where can we be better supporting you what what if you're not satisfied in a particular area what would help you to feel more satisfied you want to find out who in front of you is actually considering leaving but in such a way that they don't feel at threat um, or that they're going to be penalized for that but more that you want to actually support them to stay because you're the employees around you are so valuable to you for all of the information that they hold about the organisation. When somebody leaves, that all goes out the door with them. And you then have a training need as well as a recruitment need. Once you get the next person in the door, you've got to try and help them by some process of osmosis and onboarding to absorb and develop an, you know, the internal intel about the culture of your organisation and be able to communicate that through of their doing in the role and in the way that you've you know set up the organization to function so so for employers to really talk to those who they have so far managed to retain and not take that for granted and really start to change the setup of your organizations and re-examine where you do have some kind of mission statement for example um, in the UK, it tends to be related, uh, referred to more as a, a vision statement, but the Americans tend to talk about it as a mission statement. So basically, what is it that your company proposes that they are all about? What is it that they say they stand for? Their values. And... Well, behind the, that then is their values and their purpose. And, and those things tend to be something that have been done by some either internal or external marketing team. They won't necessarily have had everybody's buy-in. And if they haven't been fully distilled and then integrated within the organisation, there'll be this nice sounding strap line that gets put on all the marketing that goes externally. But behind the scenes, the way the organisation functions can be very different. So an organisation can say that one of their values, for example, is integrity. But then... It's pretty broad, isn't it? But then behind the scenes... Um, they don't do things in integrity at all. They talk about people behind the backs. Every, you know, people feel insecure. You know, and, and and so it's about really aligning what's being portrayed on the outside with what's going on on the inside, so that and, and drawing out what the people, what are the inter, the the individual values of your workforce, and and do those values marry up with the the proposed collective values it's a lot of work isn't it for an organization to do that i'm not saying yeah. it's it's not the right thing to do but i can imagine especially now when you've got if you've got less people to cover more work doing something like that whilst it should be a priority 100 percent agree with you that you know that is what is needed but it's coming out as one of the main reasons that people leave because so they, they need to do it but i just yeah. can see from an organization's perspective it's the last thing that they would want to be doing because of the the, the, the focus being on trying to make their business as successful and sustainable as possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, and I appreciate the pressures often has been to do more with less and therefore, you know, cutting corners where they can and prioritising the, the things that are deemed as, the pro, you know, their priority. But but retaining your staff now needs to be your priority. priority That's yeah. the thing. It's it's moving with the, the shifts that are happening 
as you go and um, so, so if you were talking to a business right now Jane and they were saying we need to do this but we don't have a lot of time to do it what's the most efficient way they could reshuffle restructure that kind of mission statement or purpose and values so that it is quickly analyzed quickly kind of um rewritten and reorganized in a way that is true to how the company want to and will be operating going forward so although it sounds huge um and it obviously depends on the size and scale of the organization but regardless of the size and scale of the organization we now have the technology at our fingertips that enables us to at a you know literally a drop of a hat send something out to all members of the staff a quick poll asking people to send back their input and i think it you know within whatever size of organization there's within the the, the um, communications software that is available easily to anyone on any budget that can be worked but that's yeah that's a whole, a whole another, <laughs> another podcast but yeah. just to, just to say on that but, point but it doesn't it, need to be a, a, as um, difficult as um, yeah. time I was consuming just playing as, devil's advocate you know, we're not talking about but, sitting down with every single employee for hours on end or anything no. this can be something that's like pulse check and uh, recalibration and it's worth saying just on that point that that is something that you have done with quite a few organizations uh so far and during throughout during the, these times yeah during the I pandemic think, yeah. as a result of yeah. these changing times yeah so and um, but so not to dwell on that though but so from an individual so, from the employees so, for the, so well nearly we're nearly there so employers take the time to listen and especially those who have indicated that they want to leave so pre-exit interview what's now been called a stay interview chatting one-on-one with those who you know are like literally handing in their resignation to you, find out what would need to change for those individuals to to stay. And this does link to the advice for the employees because more often than not, what that person in front of you needs is a rest. I thought you were going to say hug. Well, (laughs) a hug too. But it is, it's a rest. And whatever by whatever means you need to find a way in order to to deliver that and to make that possible for your employees you know a lot of organizations have given sort of token days here and there to staff or weeks some have been more generous and you know literally kind of closed down businesses for for a month that's not always possible but looking at what might be possible for the ones who are really feeling it and being willing to extend that to to all in you know at some stage and working out some way to on some sort of rotation enable everybody to down tools take a rest it will be so worthwhile for your business to do that because your people will come back a feeling valued and therefore more loyal to you b feeling recharged and therefore bringing more energy and enthusiasm and power to what they do and see, it gives them that space to to re rethink things, and they might come up with new ideas, new ways of of working for the organisation. They might also, in that time, decide that actually they don't want to be there. That's a, a bit of the risk that you take, but at least you're giving the you're giving them the chance, and you're giving yourself the best chance to retain the people who matter. Okay, Jane, and what about the employees? What can they do? So there's multiple ways of approaching this, um, but 
primarily I sort of indicated there might be difficult conversations to be had. So um, it's not always easy to approach somebody, especially if it's somebody that you don't particularly respect or enjoy working for. So a lot of people will be looking to resign because they don't respect their boss. So there's a saying that people don't leave jobs, they leave their boss. So the the conversation might be a difficult one to have with your immediate superior, but then if you so you might need to have it with someone above that person in order for it to be heard um and to be taken seriously. Um, but having a conversation and laying your cards out on the table and, and providing options um, rather than a kind of an ultimatum. But but primarily what you want to ask for is that rest. So it's the same thing that I'm suggesting employers give to the staff that I'm suggesting that employees seek for themselves where it's not, um, where they're not forthcoming to, to give it, to present some such suggestions, some options, some solutions that that are various ways that would help you to feel supported and valued um, on whatever time frame feels good for you. And it might be about having, for example, a week's breathing space in a week's time, knowing that you've then got a month's breathing space in a month's time or something like that. Or it might be that you've been passed over pr- for promotion and that the re- the main reason that you actually want to seek an opportunity elsewhere is because you're sick of that happening to you or you're sick or you're angry about the fact that that's happened on this one occasion or however frequently and had you know a lot of the time had the employer known that somebody's nose is out of joint or that they've had seen themselves as being ready for something when the employer just had missed that had that been communicated things could have been re you know reworked within a team a promotion could have been possible so it's worth really asking for what your ideal outcome would be um, and and just presenting different ways of, of getting there, what different shapes that or forms that could take that you would walk away happier, feeling happier about, feeling more content and, and with that work-life balance. It might be, for example, the four-day week is the solution for you. Everybody will have a different take on what's right for them. But if you go deeply into yourself to inquire your body will give you the answers and that's one of the things we help people to mobilize and to uncover for themselves because sometimes people can feel quite blocked and drained and brain fogged and just can't work out what they actually want but um finding ways to uncover that for yourself either by speaking with someone or there are brilliant books out there that can take you and talk you through for example, art exercises and things to get your creativity going and to listen to your body's internal wisdom and the kind of inner knowing that you have about what's right for you for right now. Wow, that's quite powerful stuff, Jane, but I think important because uh, this topic has been discussed far and wide amongst people and I think it's great to give a insight into it but also a perspective of how employers can help and as an employee you have the power to be able to change your kind of working life it's within your realm to do that as well not just the employees so Jane great topic glad you brought it in today thank you for visiting (laughs) 
as always, to my podcast and to our podcast. So that is all for today's podcast. Thanks for listening and it's goodbye from me. And from me. As always, we hope that that episode was helpful and gets the old mind thinking about different ways of doing things and how you can, as an employer, serve your employees better and as an employee, have that conversation with your manager or with your organisation to help bring more balance back into your role and maybe change things for the better for both parties. Now, if you'd like to find out more about what we do, head on over to balanceology.uk or find us on socials, balanceology.uk. Or just send us an email, hello at balanceology.uk. Now, just to remind you, we do work both with organisations in a corporate setting, but also with individuals on a one-to-one setting, helping you to bring balance back and overcome burnout. And finally, it would be a huge help to us if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could rate or review it on the platform where you download it from. So be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or an Android platform, you can head on there and just leave a little review or a rating. That'd be really great for us to help grow this podcast and reach a larger audience. Thank you as always for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you next time on the Art of Balance podcast. Peace.